Welcome back to the program. It used to be that the classroom prepared you for a career. Today, your lifetime career is a classroom where you must be continuously learning. In doing so, the horizons open up and the opportunities abound. The traditional straitjackets of education and career have been, like most things, disrupted. In its place, possibility and creative destruction. Along with this comes a new way of doing business, a place not unlike sports, where the newcomer, the rookie, has an important role to play. Without Joe Panic, the San Francisco Giants don't win the World Series. In today's business world, information isn't siloed or hidden. It's available for all, and it gives the rookie a more level playing field in which to work bring new ideas, and find new ways of looking at the world. This is the backdrop of Liz Weissman's new book, Rookie Smarts. Liz Weissman is a researcher, executive advisor, and speaker who teaches leaders around the world. She's a former executive at Oracle and has been listed on the Thinker's 50 ranking and named one of the top 10 leadership thinkers in the world. It is my pleasure to welcome Liz Weissman here to talk about Rookie Smarts, why learning beats knowing in the new game of work. Liz, thanks so much for joining us. Well, Jeff, thanks for having me, and that was a wonderful description of the backdrop and some of the issues that this book addresses. Well, it's great to have you here. Is this coming forward as an issue today because of millennials themselves, or is there something larger transforming in the workplace today that makes this a reality? You know, I, I don't see this this book, this idea of rookie smarts, as being a millennial issue. I don't, in fact, actually see it as an age issue at all. I think... It's an issue because the nature of our work has really changed. Um, you know, work used to be a place we went. You know, we went in the morning, maybe we left in the evening, uh, maybe a company we even retri- retired from. But we're now working in a set of conditions where things are moving very fast, where technology is allowing our cycles to spin so fast that so many professionals don't face the same problem twice. And the knowledge that we gain in our work we, we don't hold for very long. Um, I did some calculations stuff that in science and technology, you know, certainly something really important here in Northern California, in science and technology, about 15% of what we know today is likely to be relevant in five years. You know, and the kicker to this is we're not even really sure which 15% that is. And in this environment where knowledge is cycling so fast, the critical skill isn't what we know. It's how fast we can learn. As you teed up, and I think it's creating, as you said, this level playing field where people who are inexperienced, new to an industry, new to a task, maybe even new to the workforce, have an advantage over people who've been doing something for a long time, perhaps clinging to know-how that's no longer relevant. In some ways, there is a counterintuitive element to it all, because if you look at the workplace today, combining technology, the nature of work, the the, the knowledge workers in general, there is a level of complexity that is greater than it has been in the past. And yet that very complexity requires not experience, but this kind of rookie smarts that you talk about. Well, you know, it's interesting. So in in the research I did, um, I and my research team, we studied 400 different work scenarios, some as simple as um, uh, painting a room or building a training course, some as complex as managing the build-out of a corporate campus. And we looked at how experienced people did that work, and then we looked at how inexperienced people, and we had managers 
kind of assess what they did and how how they performed. And and one of the things we found in this is that um, newcomers, you know, rookies, as I say, people who are brand new to something important and hard, they tend to reach out to, they, they, they listen better, they ask for help um, at much higher levels. They reach out to 2.5 times, um, or I'm sorry, 250% more likely to reach out to other people. And when they do, they reach out to an average of five times more experts than experts do. So what we found is that if you ask someone with experience to tackle a problem, you really get one person's experience. But if you ask someone without experience, if you put a rookie on the job, they tend to kind of harness and garner in five times a level of expertise, often bringing a more diverse set of expertise, um, a more current, and they become the integrators. Um, you know, you, when, when something is too complex for one person to know, it's actually a job that's really well suited to a rookie mm-hmm. because they go out and they consult with a lot of people and they mobilize um, a network of experts. And of course, technology makes that so much easier and so much more possible than it had been in the past. Oh, I mean, think about what we do now when we don't know something. I mean, you can Google it, you can turn to Bing, you can put it out on a social network. I mean, you can cast a really wide net to harness in expertise. Um, You know, it's why I think this critical skill is really how fast you can climb up a learning curve. And sometimes those without experience can do it faster because really what they have in front of them is a pure learning problem, a learning curve to climb. Those of us with experience, or when we just get ourselves kind of in the mindset of, hey, I know what I'm doing, we not only have a new learning curve to climb, but we have a whole set of unlearning we have to do. And, and you know, learning is hard, but unlearning is painful. <laughs> How does this relate to teamwork that is so much a part of the workplace today? Well, you know, I think uh, there's several killer combinations. And, you know, one of the things I I worry a little bit about with this book is that someone might conclude, ah, Rookie Smart, that's about the young, the millennials, that they have an advantage over people with experience. And, And I really don't think that's the case. You know, in fact, you know, someone who's coming right out of school, they're, they're becoming obsolete at the very same rate that someone who's been in the workforce for a long time. Um, and I don't think the message of the book is that people without experience are always going to trump, um, you know, the veterans, the experienced people in the knowledge industries. I think the real win is when individuals can operate like perpetual rookies, meaning knowing when to harness their hard-won experience, their veteran savvy, and when to step into the role of the rookie, to be able to look at a problem and approach it as if they are learning about it, discovering it for the very first time. But, but Jeff, perhaps the greatest win is when we can configure teams that harness this rookie mindset, this drive, this hunger, this outward orientation, this kind of fast cycle innovation with the savvy, the focus, the clarity that people with experience bring. And there's a number of really kind of killer combinations of how to bring together this talent. 
To what extent does this run up against, for example, you know, Malcolm Gladwell's idea of 10,000 hours of experience in certain things? This was an interesting one. This is one that was a little perplexing to me because I, like many people, am very familiar with that um, study, Andrew Erickson's, you know, very famous off-sided study about 10,000 hours of deliberate practice is what is needed for mastery. And I looked at my own research where I saw that in the knowledge industries and in innovation and in speed, people without experience tend to outperform people with experience. I'm like, wow, what gives? You know? And as I looked at that 10,000-hour study, I noticed that the study was done in the realm um, really of physical mastery. Mm-hmm. And it was done, if, you, you know, if you're familiar with it, you know this, is that it was done with uh, musicians and athletes you know, certainly where physical mastery drives performance, you know, it does take, you know, hours and hours and years of deliberate practice. You know, and, and think about it intuitively. You wouldn't want a rookie dentist, right? You don't right. really want a first-time heart surgeon. But in the knowledge industry where, you know, it's about how fast we can process information and aggregate information and make speedy decisions, it's often people without experience that can do that faster and often even better. The key element there, it seems to me, is is really breaking down the way we look at, at the nature of work and the way we look at the world. That in the knowledge economy, that knowledge workers, the areas that you're talking about, that there's a very different approach, a very different mindset than being, for example, a professional athlete or a heart surgeon, and that we can't go with the one-size-fits-all that we've used in the past as a way to try and understand this framework. Well, yeah, well, well, you know, there's a study done by um, Josh Kaufman that it takes typically for the kind of current modern skills needed in the, the knowledge um, Economy. It takes about 30 hours of practice to get good at something. You know, you think about things like, you know, giving a presentation, writing a report, that most of the skills we need actually require kind of a, a low floor to be able to be in the game. And I think the nature of the, the kinds of skills that we need are changing. Again, when you can Google anything, you know, when information is abundantly available, the critical skill is the processing of that, the analyzing it, deciding what's a good source, um, you know, how to integrate that. And I think one of the prized skills is the ability to mobilize other people. There was a study that came out of the EU that looked at the critical skills for the workforce, um, you know, in this decade. And number one skill was the ability to mobilize human resources. You know, think about it. And, and what I'm saying is not that knowledge and expertise isn't important. It's that that's becoming a little bit more of a commodity and someone can come in and quickly consult with experts and harness that expertise fast. And the value add isn't holding that knowledge. It's what we do with it. What it means in, in a broader sense is that we need to completely reform and redesign the way we teach, the way we educate young people today? Well, you know, perhaps, perhaps it is. You know, I was, 
I'm a mother of four. And I've also done, you know, some work. I've, my, my last book was in um, educational leadership. So I have, you know, a little bit of experience kind of looking at the education system, but really most of my experience is having been a student and a mother. And, for example, I have, uh, of my four children, three are teenagers. <laughs> um, and condolences are, are accepted. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and and I look at what they're going through in high school. You know, all of them trying to do well and ready themselves to be, you know, hopefully decent, productive um, human beings. And, and I look at what they're going through. Just the other day, my daughter is just so tied up because she's trying to learn the is it the 27 amendments? Uh-huh. 27 amendments. And she's poring over this, and my son is trying to learn this other list of things. And it is so tempting to want to just kind of tap them on the shoulder and say, you know what, dear, you don't really need to worry about that because guess what? You're never going to need to know that. You're never in your life going to need to list off 27 amendments. No one will ever quiz you on that. And and so I kind of want to tell them, like, hey, back off of that. Don't don't worry so much. But what I realize is, you know, yes, they're never going to need to recite the 27 amendments. Now, if there's 28, I'm going to be really embarrassed that I've, I've called it 27. Um, however, the skill of figuring out what the teacher needs, figuring out what's important in this situation, focusing on it, memorizing it, being able to process it and do something with that information, perform it the next day, and then be able to move on to the next task, that's actually a pretty critical skill. Right. So, you know, before we, I think, cast our eyes down on this kind of learning um, where people are kind of having to process and stuff, I'm, I'm wondering if actually it's that process is what's really valuable because that's what the modern work N- not if well, the, it's like right, but not if the process is about rote memorization. If it is project based, if it is more integrated, if it is more integrated into a whole, then yes. But in terms of rote learning, I, I agree with you and, and the premise of Rookie Smarts that that's not really relevant to the twenty first century. Well, you know, we think about the, the, our work models going forward. I think we're seeing more and more. Um, Daniel Pink wrote the book, Free Agent Nation, where we're seeing more and more people opt out of not only lifelong employment, but working for corporations where they're free agents, freelancers. And we're seeing um, what I call, you know, like flash mobs of talent. You know, this kind of hive mentality where, you know, just like a flash mob you might see out on social media, uh, a company says, here's a project, and talent mobilizes some within the company, some outside the company. We, we have to mobilize around these projects. Often they're two weeks in duration. We have to get to know each other really fast, work with people we've never worked with before, um, learn quickly, contribute, and then dissemble and move to the next task. And, and so as you said, project-based, collaborative, but flash projects, I think is the wave of the future. Talk a little bit about what you're seeing in multi-generational workplaces where you do have, and, and I know you were saying before it's not necessarily about age, but there is a difference in approach and where you're seeing different approaches within a workplace today. You know, certainly, and I would say, Jeff, I, I am not an expert in generational differences in the workforce, um, but I will make a few observations that I've seen from this research and my own experience. I think you know, coming from the tail, very tail end of the the, um, boomer generation is 
this notion that we work in long cycles and that you pay your dues and you sort of get ramped up early in your career and you contribute big, you know, sort of an escalation and, and later in your career. And I think there's a whole new generation of people who are coming into the workforce who just don't share that notion. And, you know, it's very easy for an older generation to look at that and go, oh, man, you're, you're not doing it right. You're not grateful. You're not paying your dues. You're not doing this right. And I actually think this mentality um, that millennials bring in, meaning, hey, I want to come in and I want to be given something big and hard to do, and I want to contribute right away. I think it's extraordinarily helpful, and it's so congruent with what I found in my research is that newcomers, again, be they young or old, mm-hmm. new to a task, are far more capable than we might have thought. And so rather than lament that millennials are coming in wanting big jobs and then leaving two years later, I think companies are wising up to this. And I think what they're doing is saying, okay, we get it. You're smart. You're capable. You're going to be here for maybe a couple years. So we can't afford to put you in a one-year training program or a rotation program and then have you contribute for a few months and then leave, potentially even to a competitor, we're going to rethink the way we onboard and we're just going to allow you to contribute immediately. Uh, eBay uh, was bringing in a whole crop of uh, new college graduates and one of the smartest things they did was to train the managers, saying we've got a bunch of bright people coming in from, from school. Instead of ramping them up, what we want you to do is tell them to contribute immediately and then kind of find places for them to contribute and get out of their way. Um, I was working with them on this project and we went and measured that, you know, apples to apples and year over year, this group of new recruits had 25% higher levels of patent submissions because they said, okay, we've got ideas right away and we're just going to pursue them. We're not going to wait. And I think that's one of the phenomenal mindsets that millennials bring to our workforce. And I think it's something that should reshape how, um, you know, the, the, the more um, experienced managers think about their work as well. There's also the way we approach lifelong learning and understanding that learning doesn't stop with graduation. And that's an important part of this. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I think, you know, one of the things I, someone said is they were reflecting back on their own rookie experiences. And, you know, if you're listening, you know, think back to when you were doing something important and hard for the very first time. You know, what did you do? What did you not do? How well did you do? Um, You know, how did you stay on track? And as you think about that, you might be thinking about, is it possible to continue to work that way throughout your career? When I ask people to reflect back on some of their rookie experiences. Some of them are a little bit even painful. People say, you know, I want to be a rookie again. It felt great. I was learning so much. I was contributing so much. I felt, I felt totally alive. And then I remember one woman in particular, she just came out and she blurted out. She said, I want to be a rookie again. (laughs) And, you know, and it's never too late to be new to something. And, you know, I think, one of the ways that we can do that is to kind of keep disqualifying ourselves um, or maybe even throughout our careers to seek to never have a job that we're actually qualified for. I know for me, I was, I was probably 40 years old before I had 
like finally my first job I legitimately felt qualified for. <laughs> and I joined Oracle out of business school with absolutely no experience and they threw me into a job I had no idea how to do and then a bigger job and a bigger job. It was kind of the office joke. Um, my VP said, oh, this is Liz. You know, she runs our university and some people said, wow, you know, she seems like a child. Uh, and say, oh, she's not particularly well qualified for her job, but, you know, she's doing a great job. And, and, and my, in my defense, I said, Bob, who wants a job they're qualified for? You know, what's there to learn? Right. And I think for me, I have really tried to manage my career so that I never stay long in a job I know how to do. And it's been thrilling. Liz Weissman, the book is Rookie Smarts. Why Learning Beats Knowing in the New Game of Work. It's just out from Harper. Liz, I thank you so much for spending time with us today. Jeff, thank you for a great conversation. Thank you. We'll take a break. I'll be right back. 